0: Hey, what's up everybody? This is Alex.
1: And this is Connor. Welcome to the Sales Engineering Podcast. We're really excited to bring on Jessica Andrelovich, a senior recruiter at Snowflake. She's been hiring SEs for over half a decade and has built quite a network in the tech world. In this episode, Jessica shares a behind the scenes look into tech recruiting and what you can do to stand out. Get ready to learn from an extremely experienced and insightful SE recruiter. Welcome to the edge of sales engineering. Hey Jess, Alex and I are very excited to have you on the podcast today to talk about recruiting SEs.
2: Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and honored that uh, you think I'm I'm worthy of, of a podcast episode.
0: Uh, you are so worthy Jess. <laughs> uh, we're excited you're here as well. Thank you. So to kick us off why don't you tell everyone a little bit about who you are and your path into recruiting?
2: Cool. Um, so my name is Jess. I am a senior recruiter over at Snowflake. Um, I'm currently based in Jersey city, New Jersey, but it was in Brooklyn before that um, been recruiting for about 10 years now. I started my uh, career on the agency side, um, moved into tech about tech recruitment five years ago, and I've been internal uh, with Snowflake for the past two and a half years. Um, I, Focus and have been focusing the past five years on pre-sales and professional services almost exclusively um, and specializing specifically within the SaaS space, um, data warehousing uh, database, business intelligence, all that good stuff has uh, definitely been uh, a core area of focus for me.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And you are so experienced with uh, the (laughs) SE and SaaS space. So jumping into the episode talk topic and why we're having this conversation and why it's so important you know whether you're an se today or want to be in the future inevitably you need to interview and you need to get hired this is uh the first part about being an se so our hope with this episode is to lift the curtain on what happens behind the scenes a little bit everything from potentially posting a job wreck and what goes into that how do you fill open headcount hiring challenges and the ideal candidate profile Uh, from your perspective. Before we jump into that main uh, hiring process, why don't you at a high level tell us about the hiring process um, in general and and what day-to-day life is like as a recruiter?
2: Sure. So, I mean, the recruitment process really starts um, way before we start actively speaking with candidates. You know, um, a job description is something that we look through extensively and do as much work as we can to ensure that it's written to attract as diverse of a candidate pool as possible. Um, You'd be surprised at, you know, how much research there is about the different verbiage that you can use and should use to ensure that it's um, as inclusive as possible and attracts the most um, diverse talent possible. you know, Snowflake takes a really unique approach to recruitment. Uh, we have a really, uh, the, our process has is heavily involved um, with the managers being a part of it. So we work very close with the managers to help really define what we're looking for in this profile. And that's really the most important thing is um, a hiring manager and a team being aware of, of what it is that they're truly looking for, whether it be hard skills or soft skills. Uh, we then take the time to identify what the interview process is going to be, right? So how are we going to identify if this person meets those qualifications? Uh, For us, we do initial hiring manager screen, we do technical screen, um, we do a technical assignment, um, and we do a panel presentation. So we need to create the technical screen content, we need to create the assignment, um, and we need to um, present them with the content we're looking for them to present on. Um, I think one of the most important pieces that a lot of times, Hiring managers and teams forget is prepping the interview panel so that means really sharing with them what their job is and what's expected of them through that interview process because a lot of times we get to that final roundtable to make a decision on a candidate and we realize that you know. uh, specific uh, important topics haven't been covered because no one was really given specific guidance as to what their role was in the interview process. So we really make sure to do an intake form to make sure that everyone's on the same page with what they're expected what's expected of them um, and what types of information they need to get from the candidate so that we can make a decision um, you know based on getting all the information we need. Um, on the candidate if it's the right fit. I mean, and that's just the start before you even get recruiting. Um, You know, from there, (laughs) from there we, you know, identify the target companies that have candidates that were Um, that match the backgrounds we're looking for. You know, we don't just rely on and, you know, to uh, attract or identify the best talent, you can't just rely on incoming applicants, right? Mm -hmm. You have to very proactively go out and identify the talent that um, you're interested in and get messages out to them that excite them, I guess, entice them to have an initial conversation Um, From there, you go through that interview process um, and, you know, it's all that to to closing of a candidate. So um, I think the parts that make for the most successful recruit and hire really is the foundational pieces that are are way before even talking to candidates.
1: Wow, that's awesome to hear. The next question I want to dive into a little bit more is, I'd like to know just a little bit more about what are some of the more challenging aspects of hiring.
2: Sure. Uh I mean, the the hardest part about hiring for pre-sales is just the competitive nature of the, the market, right? Um, you know, I, I can't imagine how many messages you guys get because it is a really niche skill set and it is something that everyone is looking for. You know, it's the reason that I started recruiting in it was because I, you know, started at a tech agency and I was trying to figure out what skill sets I wanted to work with. And I basically just contacted a bunch of people in the industry and said, what's the hardest skill set to recruit for? And everyone kept saying pre-sales, pre-sales, pre-sales. I had no idea what it is, but I was like, all right, well, you know, that's the best, sounds like the best roles that someone's gonna pay me for. So I think it's really just that everyone's looking for a very similar skill set. And everyone is you know um yeah everyone's constantly looking for that and the market is competitive and people are constantly paying more and more right and especially in the bay area you know you have these large companies that will not be named but they put <laughs> offers on the table that honestly i don't even blame people right i don't blame people for uh joining those companies cuz it's the the difference in the package is, is truly life changing um mm. So I think that's obviously a really big piece of it. Um, I think you know, Snowflake we're super fortunate because we have a very attractive product. But you know, I I do think that it's for us, it's finding that blend. It's it's a unicorn in a skill set itself, right? Because you're looking for someone who has the technical skills, but also the ability to um, get in front of customers and speak technically and non technically. So there's a shortage of of individuals. Uh, or talent itself. And when you combine that with the fact that just about every company on the market is looking for them, um, it it makes for a very uh, tricky recruit. And um, it's definitely a skill set that you cannot rely on applicants. You really have to take that uh, very proactive approach and and spend the time, um, sourcing and getting messages out. And I mean, there's people that I've been hounding for about two years that I think they might, they might be a little fearful of me now, but I don't give up. Uh, and, um, and it's just that consistent, you know, not sending one message, but that every six month check-in. Um, so it's, it's, uh, not for the week, but, um, you know, there is definitely some, uh, great talent out there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I know your approach just tells us a little bit more about who you are as a person, (laughs) too, and wanting to go into that that type of a recruit. So um, the next question I want to dive into a little bit more is whether we're like interviewing for roles or we're working with a recruiter internally to, to hire for new roles at our company, what are we actually missing about recruiters? And I guess, how can we build more empathy towards working with recruiters through the hiring process?
2: That's a great question. I think recruitment can uh, uh, get a better app sometimes. Uh, and I, for some reason, I don't know why, but a lot of times candidates don't necessarily feel like they can really divulge uh, information to us. And I think the most important thing to know and the biggest takeaway is that whether you're on an, from an agency or whether you're internal, your job is to fill a role my job is to get this role filled. And if Alex is interviewing, my job is to get Alex's position. So I have your best interests in mind. So the only way I can help you get what you want is if I know what it is. So I think the biggest issue at that and the biggest headache is when candidates don't tell us and try and play hardball when it comes to compensation and overall package. Um, mm. You don't need to tell us what you're currently on, but there is so much more, you know, to it, or there's so much more headache to the process if if we're going in blind, right? So I always say to candidates, listen, you know, it's 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 not my money. I am not, um, you know, I am here to represent you and get this job closed. And the only way that I can get you exactly what you're looking for, or get to the that to the best of my abilities is if you tell me what it is. Uh, you know, there, and, and we find that candidates who are more willing to imp- divulge that information are definitely much more interested in, in the opportunity versus just kind of playing, playing games. But I do think that it is really important to understand that recruitment, recruiters, agency, or uh, internal do have your best interest in mind. And there is no incentive on either end to lowball a candidate. Um, and I think, um, that is definitely um, you know, what will be the most helpful piece for you to get the job and for you to get the the offer that you want.
1: Yeah, thanks for for jumping into that. And um, yeah, that definitely is more reassuring knowing that that recruiters <laughs> are aligned with our, our best interest as well. Um and when we talk about compensation expectations and divulging that, you know, that, that could be a, a potentially awkward position, you know, some, some people, and, you know, I've been in situations like this in the past where I don't want to give a number that's too high, you know, a million dollars a year type thing or, you know, <laughs> an, an offer that's potentially way too low. And so I guess, um, is it, I guess, what's a good way to to share a compensation expect, expectation that. Isn't potentially too high or too low, but more, I guess, in alignment with continuing that process.
2: Right. Well, a uh, recruiter hates the question, uh, and this is a secret that I I shouldn't be sharing with the pre-sales world. But the recruiter, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep recruiter, it a secret, just to the pre-sales yeah. world, don't we?
0: Ah,
2: <laughs> uh, this is gonna bite me in the butt. Um. So, but asking the asking the question of what is the range, right? Um. Mm. Is is a way to, for you to understand um, what what they're thinking. Um, recruiters never hate that or never want to hear that question because it is does put us in an awkward place, but that's okay, you know, for for you guys. Um, but yeah, getting an idea on it. I mean, I think you know, for me, if if someone was to come to me and to say, uh, you know, this is this is what um, I'd be looking for. This is what um, you know, I'm currently making, um, obviously, I'm looking for this or, or more. And it was below the range, right? I would say, well, we can, we can do much better than that, right? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're coming in, and something to keep in mind is if you're coming into a team, right, and we're hiring for a specific level, you know, we're going to pay, if you fit that requirement, we're going to pay you what the what the standard is for for our organization we're not going to say oh look at we can get this person for thirty thousand dollars less you know so mm-hmm. i i think that there is a misconception that you know you will get low and you will um not be paid fairly when in reality you know there are set number set numbers um and and we will uh honor those um i mean i'm a if if it was me, I'd obviously personally always gonna go in a little bit higher than what I'm looking for, you know, sure. um, tack on a little bit more and hope to meet in the middle. But um, you know, I again will always go back to the most successful um uh, hires that I have and are always the ones who are really transparent with either, you know, what they're looking for, what they're making. Um, and then we work together to uh get them as best a package as possible. Having those conversations up front will save you a lot of time as well, because, you know, I'm sure there's so many experiences where you don't have that conversation early on, you get down yeah. to the, to the final round or to offer. And there's a huge gap between what you're targeting and what they're willing to pay.
1: Yep. now that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so when you actually get on the phone with a candidate, uh, I guess, and this is like the first recruiting screen, I guess, what are you typically trying to, to look for or understand with what that ideal SE candidate profile is that, that you're looking for?
2: Absolutely. So for Snowflake, you know, we we start out, I usually start out with just getting a brief overview of their background. I think it's always really interesting to understand why and how a sales engineer got into the role. Um, I think sales, pre-sales is becoming more of a a career that I I see uh, pre-sales interns now online and it amazes me, but for a lot of people and that um, up until very recently, it was something that just kind of fell into their laps of, wait a second, I'm technical, but I'm comfortable in front of uh, customers and can speak non-technically and technically. Wow, there's a, actually a career for it. So I'm always really interested to see how people got into the role and and what excites them and interests them about it. Um, the littlest things about how they just articulate their their um, answers and their ability to speak to just what their day to day is like is huge for pre sales. Um, just because it shows you know their ability to. Um, speak technically and non-technically and explain things to a recruiter about like what they focus on and what what their product is Um, i like to ask that question about telling like have them tell me a bit about their product because uh i am don't have a technical bone in my body so that that goes a long way Um, we want to know about you know how they interact with sales and what what type of customers they interact with what their sales cycles are like and what their you know what their real day-to-day looks like Um, we want to get a grasp on their technical skills. So, you know, do you work with SQL, Python? Do you have cloud exposure? Um, But really, I look to focus on what is their motivation for getting on the phone with me? And what is it that they're looking for in their next role? Because I want to understand that before I tell them about the position, because I don't want to try and put a square peg into a round hole. I want Mm -hmm. to understand, to understand what their motivations are and confirm that it's something that Snowflake can offer. Um, Because a lot of times, you know, if I just join, jump in and start telling a position candidate about a position, they'll take the interviews just because why not? And then we get an offer and they say, actually, this is not line with my career objectives. So I really try and understand what they are um, from the start. And that way I can understand if, if this is going to be a mutual fit as to what Snowflake can offer. Um, You know, we look, I obviously look for um, their uh, compensation expectations as well. And if they're actively interviewing and timelines, but for me, it's really focused on, you know, why they, and why they're in the role what their day-to-day looks like now, their technical abilities, and what their long-term career goals are, um, and and what about Snowflake excites them and interests them um, from a company perspective.
0: Wow, yeah, you do so many things in such a short time on those quick uh, <laughs> calls with the candidate, uh, and, and you make it seem seamless. And a lot of people don't know, I know you know this, Jess, but you were a big part of my intro into sales engineering uh definitely my first first call a few years ago uh, <laughs> set me up with my first interview and and yeah I've never looked back so it's it's been amazing uh, so yeah you're a big part of uh, that story
2: it's um, funny you texted me the other day and uh the our old text came up from years ago when um you know you were interviewing and we were talking about positions and it just made me laugh because that was uh, a whole lifetime ago.
0: It was. But us now. <laughs> I know, I know. But yeah, so you've been involved with speaking and hiring SE candidates for years. From your perspective, what are the top three skills you've seen in some of the most successful SEs? And, and in this quick intro call that you have with them, how do you go about gauging and measuring for these skills?
2: Sure. Um, I think number one is their motivations and their passion for technology i think you know pre-sales is is very it's right in the word there's it's sales um and so i think um in any part of sales and almost in any job you you, there has you have to know what your why is and how you continue to stay motivated when times are tough because in sales it's a roller coaster ride of emotion so um, i really think that the people especially earlier in the career the ones who i get on the phone with and i'm like yes like this is this is this is good this is someone is me very successful are the people who are truly passionate about it and can articulate you know the tech landscape and understand um you know what impact let's say for we can use snowflake as an example we're having in the space and you can just really hear how excited they are about it to me that just gives me like that's like a you know a biggest check mark possible because um, you need to have that passion to really survive in, in the, in the, the, uh, the pre-sales world because, um, yeah, at times, you know, it's not always the easiest job, right? Um,
0: it can be tough at times.
2: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. So having that passion can really get you through, get you through some tough times. Um, Business savvy for sure is super important. I mean, I think you know you have to be able to, um, to, to blend and mesh well with, with a tech sales rep, let's say in the Bay Area, that's a very particular traits or they have very specific traits and characteristics. Um, and you have to be able to not only um, partner well with them, but partner well and go toe to toe with engineers. So that's that, like the passion for the technology, gives you that ability to um, connect with those engineers, but being business savvy and understanding how to speak to non-technical people that will connect you with with your sales reps and, you know, the CFOs that you're in front of. Um, and then the technical skills, you know, um, SQL, Python, cloud technologies, anyone who I speak to that is considering getting into pre-sales where maybe they're in customer success and they're non-technical or just, Hearing about it, I always recommend. You know, if you go to a boot camp, if you gain, if you teach yourself Python and SQL, um, Java, JavaScript, whatever it is, um, that will elevate your career very quickly. And that will, you will see a huge difference in the types of companies that you um, are being considered for and the compensation that you're being offered. Um, it's definitely a big thing for us.
0: Yeah, no, those are our three skills. I agree with all those, especially the first one, passion. Um, I think that goes a long way and, and people can really feel that when you get on the phone with them. Absolutely. So switching gears a little bit to another part of hiring it is posting, posting the role. From, from your perspective, what has happened um, behind the scenes just for a job to get posted?
2: I think this was honestly the biggest and most eye-opening thing about going internal for me was the behind the scenes of everything that happens. Um, You know, on the agency side, you just, a job is available and I'm going to start working on it. And from internally, there is just so much work that goes into it. You know, you start by, um, you know, um, the leadership will present their, their plans, right. To, um what their hiring is and what the what their um what their projections are for business um you know they'll present that to cro the cfo they get approval you then have to work with the sales ops org the sales ops org are looking at the um the Business models, or looking at the landscape of of the field, um, so you continue working with them. Um, then you got to go to finance. You get you work with finance. The finance team will work on approving the budget. You know that can, that takes months and months and months. Um, you know we then work with the compensation team. Um, we have an amazing compensation team at Snowflake that are my lifeline, um, but they work with us to define you know the leveling and the compensation bands. Um, and then once you finally have everything approved, when you get to recruitment, Then, like I said, you know, we start working on the job description and, you know, going through that with a fine tooth comb, working with leadership to get the feedback on it. So, I mean, for me, I always like, when at the end of the day, I look at my schedule and I'm like, all right, so today was like 25% recruitment. The rest of it was, you know, having conversations and I'm sure everyone feels like that, but you know, having conversations with finance, with sales apps, with HR, with, with compensation, um, just talking about, you know, new roles coming up or just getting a position filled. uh, There's so much more to it. And there's, I think it's you could probably compare it to you know closing a sales deal, right? Um, It looks like it's point A to point B, but there is a million steps in between and a million cross-functional partners uh, that you need to work with from product to engineering to finance to legal um, to to get the deal across the line. So I often look like. Or look at you know getting a hire similar to um, getting a, a deal closed because there's just a million and one steps between uh, point A and point B.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Thanks thanks for sharing <laughs> some of the behind the scenes there. It yeah. definitely does sound like a lot more than uh, the than meets the eye. Yeah. Um, so so getting in the door uh, at a company, you know, it, it sounds like every team might have a slightly different process or tools that they leverage. I'm sure y'all leverage and you talked about LinkedIn, but I'm sure like Glassdoor Lever, like Greenhouse, like there's a ton of other tools out there as well that are pushing job applications out into the world and advertising the role. So as an SE candidate, is there any advantage to actually going and applying to, through a specific platform directly on a company's website, getting a referral? I guess what, what's the best way to go about doing that?
2: This is actually one of my favorite topics to talk about. And and I love, I give every person in my life um, who comes to me the same pieces of advice. And that is never rely 100% on a job uh, job board applying. Um, It could be really depressing. It could be really difficult, especially if you're actively looking, you know, you could feel like there are these deep dark black holes and especially if you're looking to make um, a career move or if you're looking for that opportunity is a perfect example of looking for an opportunity to be judged on you know what your potential is versus what your experience is um, because a lot of times a job board can just be you know quick keyword search and they might not have the best not you might not have those those keywords so what I recommend to everyone who's on the market is network, network, network. So utilize your LinkedIn, you can get a free premium prescription and start with identifying what companies are you're interested in. And you never know some companies don't have things posted right it's very expensive posts on linkedin mm-hmm. um, not everyone has their job board up to date not everyone has posted obviously there's so many steps right to the process
0: right. so uh,
2: it you know um it may not be up yet there may be a coming back so identify the companies first and then take the step on identifying who the hiring manager is and reach out directly um you know send a linkedin connection request um, send them a message and just you know express why you're interested in the company and get your resume right in front of them. Especially for a sales type of position, that speaks volumes to the type of person you are. Like it's, it impresses managers. And it really says that you know you're taking that extra step to research the company and articulate why you're interested and get in front of the manager. I mean, if you think about it, right? If someone reached out to you you would even if you didn't have a role you'd be like you know what, i'll take a call with you because like you you took that extra step so right. um it is uh while applying is definitely a great way to do it i 100 percent recommend um you know taking that approach and if you especially if you don't have you know 10 out of 10 of the requirements and you want to move into a role like pre-sales showing that you have the that that passion, that drive to get in front of the manager, that manager is 10 times more likely to say, you know what, let's have a call. Um, you know, you really show your, the potential and your passion and your drive for it. So um, it's, it's a great way to be considered for something um, that, you know, you, you might normally get passed over when um, someone is filtering through applicants. Um, entry-level jobs you know we can get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applicants um so it's it, it goes a long way by getting in front of management
0: yeah no that, that's good to hear and it, it can feel weird i as a candidate i mean i'm not a i'm not a candidate right now but <laughs> at times in my life i've been a candidate i've never uh, i've never done that but it's it's good to hear that that would Kind of sets you apart a little bit to to just personally reach out to some hiring managers and um, you know let them know you're interested in the company for some specific reasons and yeah that might that might help a lot. 100. Yeah, that's really great advice. So moving on to the the final step of this recruiting process, uh, closing on a role, um, can you tell us a bit about the process from uh, decision to extending an offer? Like what is going on behind the scenes there?
2: Absolutely. So, I mean, in front of the scenes, right, um, you know, usually, usually what I, um, I tell my hiring managers is we want to get to that final stage and we want to have an idea already of what this candidate is going to accept, right? So, we, we, our objective is to always set, have that understanding of, you know, where this candidate is in the process, are they interested in the role, and what is that number that they're going to happily accept? We don't we wanna avoid the back and forth of negotiation and get right down to it. But on, on the back end, you know, we um work with the managers to um identify, you know, what we think that this is a fair offer for this candidate. Um, you know, surprisingly, the managers, while they do have you know, um, input as to what leveling they think this person comes at, and let's say, you know, compared to the, their current team members, you know, the, the decisions and the limitations that we have for compensation comes down to finance and the compensation teams, if you do have one. So while a manager would love more than anything to get you on the team and pay you, you know, uh, 2x the amount that the rest of the team is on, you know, it, it does not come down to them. Um, so it's really working with, um, finance. And compensation to ensure that the package that we're putting forward is something that um, you know is the company is comfortable with. If we are on the high end of the band, you know, we have to really sell why why it is that this individual um, is worthy and deserves us to go um, above and beyond what we currently pay um, you know it. it I definitely, uh, whenever I go out to the Bay Area, I like to schmooze uh, the compensation team and I've obviously shouted them out a few times already because <laughs> they're good to keep on, uh, you know, happy, but I'll usually give them a, a bottle of wine or something so that uh, they'll do me a few favors and help me get some uh, tough tough offers uh, through the door. But um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it. And, you know, unfortunately, like a lot of times, it's not that we don't want to go above and beyond and meet um, someone's expectations. It's just that um, there are industry standard um, leveling guides and there are industry standard bands that we go by. So while we can get approval from very senior leadership um, to go above it, we all have those limitations.
0: Wow, I was not aware of that. That that's you sometimes have to uh go to bat and sell for a candidate yeah and and you're building relationships with the team as well to to be able oh yeah oh wow yeah it's kind of
2: like it's kind of like if um you know you're trying to get a a contract over the line you know at at 10 p.m you you gotta be tight with legal right you gotta be yeah you know (laughs) have
0: have relationships with the right people and maintain them that's uh yeah i completely agree Jess, I got to say, you've shared so many eye-opening insights around the hiring process um, from some of the things that are happening on a diversity standpoint at Snowflake all the way through every step that a candidate undergoes. Um, But yeah, wrapping up that core part of the episode and and switching gears into the rapid fire questions, these are a couple of questions that we ask to every single guest. Um, What is a book that has greatly influenced your professional or personal life?
2: So i could do a whole podcast on this um but i um i brought this up earlier uh, about understanding your why and todd duncan high trust selling i tell just about everyone to read this whether you're um, in sales or not this book completely changed my perspective on my career and honestly was the reason that i decided to go internal but it focuses on uncovering your why. So it's it's a lot of times, let's say you ask someone what their why is, right? And they'll say, or why you do your job to make money, right? And, but that isn't going to get you through the high and lows, right? No. You have to uh, really dig deeper and understand, well, why do you want to make money? What is, what are you going to do with mm-hmm. that money? And understanding and uncovering what those are is really what, builds perseverance and creates the, the best um, sales talent out there. Um, it's I've done a ton of different trainings for uh, my old team at uh, my last agency, but it is a great book that I highly recommend. Um, also, I um, recently read the Asshole Survival Guide. Um, I, I mean, I'm sure we all deal with them on a (laughs) day-to-day basis, um, and I found it really, uh, really good because it talked about, um, you know, how to, uh, actively or passively deal with with that type of individual, um, and, uh, yeah, how to relinquish some of, of the energy that you spend stressing on it, um, and then- personally, I read um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle recently. Um, It's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah, she's really great. Um, But I was um, really inspired by her just talking about like, for women listening to their inner voice and how we're really solely responsible for our own joy, happiness and freedom. Um, And then all time favorite book ever is A Little Life. Uh, It is pretty outstanding um but yeah those are those are uh, like i said i could continue on and on but those yeah, are some no, of my those, recent favorites <laughs>
0: those those all sound so amazing uh i'm i yeah i want to read the hydra selling and the yeah you uh, got the guide to the what do you call it the, the guide, survival, you know, guide? Yeah. survival guide oh my gosh those seem uh like books that i would just not be able to put down
2: oh they're awesome
0: yeah that's that's awesome um, so moving on to the next question, what is the worst professional advice you've ever been given?
2: So I don't, I wouldn't say this is necessarily advice, but someone, I had an experience where someone told me that females showing emotion um, is, is not, you know, is, is a bad thing and that it's seen as a sign of weakness. Versus when men show signs of or show emotion, it's a signs of strength. And I, while that may be true, um, I think that that is something that as a society we definitely need to work on. Um, I'm certainly unwilling to accept that, but for me, it was super eye opening. That, you know, someone was sitting there and telling me that, you know, I shouldn't be showing or um expressing how I was feeling about, you know, a way I, um, that I was either treated or um, you know, something that I was experiencing. Because for me, um, you know, while there's constantly ways that we can improve the way that we articulate our feelings and emotions, um, to me, that was just uh quite disheartening that anyone would truly think and feel that way. And, um, uh, brought, you know, brings up a much, again, a whole other podcast about, um, <laughs> showing and expressing your feelings and, and women in, in the tech industry. But yeah, I would say that that was probably some of the worst, uh, feedback that I've, I've ever received, uh, throughout my career.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Um, I, uh, I definitely see it where you like, when you hear something like that, it's almost like you re hone like what your values are and where you want to take your career and how you want to live the life and what you want to breathe into this world. So that, that, uh, that's awesome to hear that that you took that way on the flip side of that last question, what would you say is the best professional advice that you've been given?
2: Um, so this is definitely is from my current manager. Um he gave me the advice that I, I shouldn't let my um, my future be dictated by other people. Um, so what he meant by that, in my experience, was you know I was have was struggling um, working with some individuals and just making um, you know making it it was making it really difficult uh, and to to just get through my day to day and and enjoy my time at Snowflake and. I've seen that so many times before when you speak to candidates. Why are, why are you look, looking? I can't see yeah. my boss or I'm struggling to work with the sales rep. And, you know, my manager gave me the piece of advice that, you know, never let your future at a company or or your career be impacted by someone else. You need to relinquish, you know, putting your energy towards that. And you need to focus your energy on the opportunity you have in hand and the career you have. And for me, when I was given that advice, I just like felt like I just, this weight just came off my shoulders of me realizing, yeah, like I was allowing so much emotion and so much stress to be um, just holding that in and putting that energy towards an individual um, and being able to just relinquish that, it truly just changed my entire um, experience at a company. And um, it really like made me realize, yeah, like I'm in charge of my own future here. And if I was to ever let anyone else dictate where I am at a company and why I'm there, that would just be such disservice to myself. And um, yeah, I, I would always look back and regret that. So that was definitely one of the best pieces of advice I ever received.
1: Ah, I love that. that that's amazing. Um, so in closing, just thank you so much for coming on and, and, yeah, and sharing your perspective. Um, I guess, do you have any other last closing remarks that we haven't talked about that you would like to?
2: You know this is for definitely the hiring managers um i i think the, one of the most important things that i've taken away from my time and experience um at snowflake is how imperative it is for hiring managers to be involved in the process you know it is your you know the job of a hiring manager is nothing like you know there's nothing better than having an amazing team and the difference from relying on recruitment to pass over profile, pass over profiles to being involved in the process, getting um, in contact with those candidates and managing through the process and building those relationships, you're going to see an insanely different, um, you know, candidate pool and talent that's going to come through your door. And that is just going to be an absolute game changer for the type of team you build. So I think, You know management and leadership changing their perspective on the role of recruitment and who's responsible for it is is a huge piece in building a great team, um, especially a diverse one, so I hope um, that is definitely one of the biggest takeaways that um, you know leaders can get from this
1: i'm so glad that you brought that up that is such a strong point so so thanks for sharing um the last part the last part about the episode that i want to close with and i would be remiss if we didn't ask the recruiter if you are hiring right now and if so how how could someone reach out to you man
2: shoot me a message on linkedin we are hiring like crazy i mean snowflake overall is is growing but for pre-sales uh, we have roles across the world. We're looking for amazing talent. Um, additionally, we are starting a new program next year where we're going to be um, bringing on uh, pretty much entry-level talent to get them trained up um, into an amazing new program uh, to hopefully have them join the corporate pre-sales team. So if there's anyone out there who's maybe finishing schools and an internship right now that is interested in exploring exploring pre-sales, our goal is to build as diverse of a talent uh, pool and team as possible so that we can change the pre-sales and tech org from the ground up um, and just have as much offer as much diverse talent, this amazing opportunity um, and career uh, of of a pre-sales engineer.
1: Wow. What a great episode. We wanted to take a second and thank you for listening. We appreciate you and hope this episode helps you learn and grow in your career as an SE and in your professional life. If you found this conversation as insightful as we did, please share the podcast with a teammate or your team and let us know what you think by subscribing and rating wherever you listen. Finally, if there are any topics or speakers you think would be great for the podcast, please use the email alias in the show notes to reach us. We'll see you next time on the Edge of Sales Engineering.